Welcome back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Twanda. And this is Ramel. Hey, Ramel. Hey, girl. Hey. We are back today with an old friend who feels like a, who's a new friend, but she feels like an old friend. She feels like we knew her back in the day. Right. Her. right. We feel like a clubbing friend. She, doesn't she feel like somebody <laughs> you went to the club with back in the and day? And we hung out all the time. Not, uh-huh. And we have like secret stories about her or something, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like we could have had yeah, those exactly stories. Right, right, right. That's exactly As it. As a matter but... of fact, even before we hit the record button, just <laughs> getting together to have a conversation. I think we talked about 30 minutes before, you mm-hmm. know, just, just mm-hmm. catching up because it was so easy to do. It's so easy to do. Okay, tell them who we got. Okay, so today we brought back Dr. L. And Dr. L, if you remember, is um, the founder of Kinder Jam. And she is also the host of the podcast called Straight Talk with Dr. L. Um, We were fortunate to have Dr. L come by and talk with us about who is in your village. I absolutely loved that episode. That was a good episode, yeah. Go back and see it if you hadn't uh, hadn't heard that one. It's like straight girlfriend talk. That's all it is. It's straight girlfriend talk. And then Dr. L also sprinkled us with knowledge about villages and how they help us and who should be in them. So if you haven't listened to it, go back a few episodes. It's episode 45. Listen to it. You will be so happy you did. Well, before we bring her in, I, I do I want you to tell them how we got to this point of, you know, what, how we got to this particular topic. But I wanted to go back a second and go, okay. girl, can I ask you something? Of course. What's up? All right, Ramel, did you ever finish cleaning out your closet? Finally. <laughs> yes, I finally did. Don't, don't ask me. Okay. So... <laughs> I remember feeling uh, very happy for you mm-hmm. because you told me your story about all the stuff that you had and mm-hmm. how it it weighed you down and it was just how much better you felt once you got the stuff you weren't using out of your closet. And yes. I was like, that sounds good. And I was almost motivated to clean my closet, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she said almost. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the funny thing is when I clean my closet, I took something like five or six like huge garbage bags of clothes out to donate. And it felt really, really good. And then a couple weeks later, I was on, because I'm um, Dr. L. Can I just call you L, girl? Most certainly. All right. All right. So <laughs> L and I are Facebook friends because we go way back. <laughs> and um, she was talking about how she cut or she trimmed her hair. And, um, and I'm going to let her tell the story, but it gave me all the feels of cleaning the closet and getting rid of all the stuff that holds us back. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was, I said, I got, I got to talk to Elle about it because I know she can talk about it. <laughs> so we asked her to come back on the podcast with us today to talk about getting rid of things that don't serve us anymore. And I know we've all had those moments when we maybe struggled with the idea of getting rid of something and, mm. um, and then finally letting go. So Elle, thanks so much for coming back. Girl. Welcome back. 
Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to talk with y'all because, again, I don't care what you say. I'm not a new friend. I'm an old friend. That's, That's true. That's the last time I'm going to call you a new friend. Please. I, I will. Thank you. So, so, so tell everybody the story about you and your hair. Okay. Well, I am a natural hair girl and have been for about 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, even being a natural hair girl and I embrace everything, I, I don't put heat on it or any things like that. And my products tend to be natural, as natural as I can get. So I still have this fixation on hair sometimes, on the, on the length. You know, when you grow your hair, you feel like you've accomplished something. You notice it's hanging a little differently. So with that, I was holding on to this hair because while we were in quarantine, I, it had grown quite a bit. Um, I don't manipulate it as much, so I'm putting it in my twist. And I started noticing that my twists were getting longer and longer, mm-hmm. and I found pride in that. Well, I um, was doing a photo shoot, or actually a video shoot, and um, I noticed when I got the pictures back from the photo shoot, they actually did some still shots, and I was on a white background. Mm-hmm. And a white background with black hair, I was able to tell that my hair Although it was longer, it was not as healthy as it could have been. That must have so, been a good um, resolution picture. Yeah, it, they, they were. It should be. You know? <laughs> so it was one of those things where when I looked at, but, but when you have hair, and I have a lot of hair, so you can tell where it's really dense. And then when it starts to get thinner towards the ends, you can actually see through that. So what I was seeing was that there were parts of my hair where it was very dense. And then there were other parts where I could see the white background behind me. Mm -hmm. So I decided that when I went home, I was going to trim my hair. And with that, um, when I trim my hair. You going to do it yourself? Yeah, I do it myself. So I've not been to a salon in over 10 years. Mm. So... Because I'm a natural hair girl and I never wear it straight, you know, I don't necessarily look and see, you know, how even everything is. Because mm-hmm. as long as it coils up, you know, and it's shaped well, it, it works out. I so feel you completely. <laughs> yeah, right. So what I do is I twist it and then I cut the ends of my twist. So mm-hmm. I'll twist it. And as long as it feels healthy and supple, I keep it. But as soon as the texture starts to change and Mm -hmm. I feel that it's not as dense, I'm going to cut that off. Well, this time, because I had not given myself a trim in five months because we had been sheltering in Mm -hmm. place, I ended up cutting off a little more than I generally would in a trim. So it ended up being more, felt more like a cut. So when I twist my hair and because I washed it, twist it up, put all my product on it. And then I went through each twist and I cut off everything that felt dead and lifeless, that looked limp. And next thing you know, I had this pile of, of hair. So I threw the hair away after I had my little morning because, you know, black girls and limp. <laughs> you know, oh, Lord, my hair gone. So I, I, I threw the hair away and it takes about a day and a half for my hair to dry. So after a day and a half, it was time for me that I had actually had a training to do. Mm-hmm. So I had to take my hair down for the training. Because again, being a natural hair girl, I have to time my hair washes so that I can have the morning air drying. So when I took it out and I undid my two strand twist and I started to pull my hair apart, one, my whole head of hair was like 
brand new. Even mm. though I just cut off those pieces on the end, it was like the product um, absorbed better in my hair. My hair was lighter, bounced. I was doing the... Mm. the yeah, spray. you were feeling I yourself. Was, mm-hmm. yeah, girl, was I ever. <laughs> but the, in addition to that, it seemed bigger. It had more volume. It was shinier. It was bouncier. It was fluffier. If I would have had a Beyonce wind fan, it would have done the thing. It was, <laughs> it was everything. To the point I did like an impromptu photo shoot. So the post that Mel read was really something I wrote as an excuse for y'all to see this picture of my glorious hair. <laughs> so the wrote, truth comes out. Because I didn't want to say like, y'all look at my hair, ain't it fly? I had to write something, you know, profound to go with it well so we won't tell anybody nobody <laughs> <laughs> just you and us but as i wrote the post talking about the hair i began to tie it into things that i had experienced in life so i went from pseudo deep to deep for real mm-hmm. and i was like you know what that holds true with life some things we want to hold on but they may be dead and lifeless and not serving us. Mm -hmm. And when you cut those things out of your life, while it may like at the time when the dust blows over, that's the hair drying. When you go through that phase and you get to the rebirth, you find that your life is light and bouncier. (laughs) And that's, I was like, you know what? Let me start trimming some other stuff. That's the first thing I thought. I'm listening to you and you're talking about hair. Um, exactly it started out with hair and it took to me to a whole nother place because I was like you know what I've done that and each time I've done that in my life I have positioned myself to attract things that help me with the next phase so essentially I started telling my village you know hey it is not serving any purpose it's weighing you down Mm -hmm. it is lifeless then that means you are pouring good stuff and the stuff that's not living anymore. All it's going to do is take it, but it's not going to grow. It's not going to revive it. Cut it off. So all of the stuff that's still living can get all that good nutrients, all of that energy that you have to exert. So cut it off and start a new fluffy, bouncy, shiny. You know, it's when you said the story, I knew you were talking about hair, but I heard other parts of my life, uh, Mm -hmm. other things in my life. I heard about my closet with clothes that I'll never wear again. And for good reason, this old and little, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I heard about people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You didn't say people, but I heard people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt people. (laughs) Right. That, that are, that are dry and more taking from you where you're just lighter Mm -hmm. and bouncier Mm -hmm. without maybe not just people, but even like organizations and, and responsibilities yeah. you've taken on uh, that might not be serving you. So you might be bouncier and fuller without. Like, that was so attractive, mm-hmm. listening yeah. to you talk about that. I was yeah. like, I need to get out my scissors, my my uh, proverbial scissors, and cut some mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Although and I'm I, really good at cutting friends on Facebook. Like, I am a she's master of so that. The thing about it is one of those things when we think about energy, energy is finite. You know, it it is not without end. So when you think about all of the energy that you exert, like I started our talk before the podcast telling you guys how this was an exhausting week for me. It was a rough week and it wasn't Mm -hmm. a rough week because something bad had happened. It was just there were so many things that needed my 
attention, my mental energy, and I ended up exerting more energy than my body and my soul was comfortable giving. Mm -hmm. But I had to give it because I had to get the things done, but it left me depleted. Imagine doing that every day of your life mm-hmm. or because you don't want to let go of things that aren't serving you because when you think about relationships there should be a level of reciprocity there so if you're giving to things that aren't giving to you you know they're taking and it may not even be serving them a purpose it might just be a dead relationship like that hair even mm-hmm. though i was giving all of my very expensive products to those dead ends, it wasn't going to improve them because they were dead. They were, they were gone. gone. Yeah, they were gone. They were just yeah. they were just hanging on because I didn't have the courage to let them go. It's funny was- when you say it is. It is about courage, though, because mm-hmm. it's something about the unknown, right? You don't know how it's going to be if you let this person go. Um, you're not sure when you give away that evening gown that you've had in your closet. I'm not talking from experience. That, no, surely you're not talking from experience. <laughs> you spent so much money on and then you let it go that it's, you're going to need it, right? It's, there's always that, that fear of needing it again, right? And um, when you let it go and then you find out, hey, you know what? That fear was really not based in anything real right fear and then loss is, is one of those things we really need to check ourselves on what is that the fear of loss yes yeah one of those things yeah. where we have to check ourselves on that because i know we're supposed to live a life of abundance mm-hmm. and if we could stick in that in that area of thought then we wouldn't think twice. Well, I can just get another dress if I need one, but this mm-hmm. one is not serving me. I talk a good game, but I have to listen to that advice. I just know what I'm right. supposed to do. Um, right. One of the things that I have, I like to know what people are talking about. So I mm-hmm. like to watch the, I call myself, I, I give myself the excuse to watch the news because I want to hear what people are talking about. But after a while, especially as of late, the news is too heavy. A lot of the times mm-hmm. it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while, I have needed to cut that out of my regular routine or at least a significant portion of it or a change mm-hmm. where I get my news. So I'm actually getting more news and not politics and, and infuriating comments mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there are just so many areas in our lives where we can really apply this concept. We just have to, you know, right. think about all the places that weigh us down. And see, I, my, my area is early childhood education. In early childhood education, we adopt what's called a strength-based perspective. So when you have a strength-based perspective, you look at the strengths and things instead of the deficit. So instead of looking at strengths and weaknesses, you'll look at like strengths and needs. So if, if you think about a fear of loss, so whenever you use a word like loss, that's looking from a deficit standpoint. Mm-hmm. And instead of focusing on what you lost, like in the case of the hair, it would be length. Mm-hmm. Think about the things that you will gain. So rather than losing length, I was gaining volume, mm-hmm. body, you know, um, luminous shine all haters that you I were gaining gained. haters mm-hmm. i was gaining haters <laughs> and so i was gaining displaced fans <laughs> oh i love how you changed that up mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was one of those things where you know just by looking at and 
looking at things from a strength base, because that's the way we have to look at children. And that has actually helped me in life because you don't ever look at a child and say, even though I use the word don't then, because it is something that you, you want to refrain from doing is looking at a child for what a child is not doing, isn't capable of doing mm-hmm. yet, but look at where a child is and where they can go in the future with assistance. Like, what do I need to do to help this child do X, Y, and Z? So for me, if I look at the hair and I look at it from a strength-based perspective, what must I do to have it be fluffier, bouncier, shiny? In order to do that, I must take the things that are weighing the hair and preventing it from being its best self. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that at your life, you know, rather than losing someone, what must I do to ensure that I am my best self? What must I do to ensure that my closet is my best closet? What Mm -hmm. must I do to ensure that my wardrobe represents the image of myself that in this stage of life I want Mm -hmm. to present to the world? And if that sequence, miniskirt, and Daisy Dukes don't fit that, then you might want to let (laughs) it go because in a moment, need you to stop talking about me. (laughs) Stop talking about me. (laughs) You may try to put them on, and that doesn't suit who and what you are today. So that's a Good, good point. Like even with me just cleaning out my closet, my example, I was um, hesitating throwing out some of the stuff that I had because I, I adored it. And then my kid was like, but it's 20 years old. And I'm like, yeah, but one day I actually might fit in it. And she'll say, it, has and it will pads, be Mom, 20 no. plus years old and it's never going to come back in style. You just need to let it go. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's just so right. And it makes me so mad, but you know, and I let it go. But one of the things I even told Tawanda about is that um, now that I have this closet that is much more slimmed down, um, I'm actually able to see what I do have mm-hmm. and appreciate what I do have. And um and I can actually see the holes of what I need, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't see what I needed before because I had a closet full of stuff that I didn't. And Mm -hmm. so now it's helping me kind of reshape um, understanding what I do need to put in my closet so that I can present myself the way I want to present myself now, you know, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it was, I told Tuan, I was like, it was really a good thing. I'm so glad I got rid of, so I got rid of almost all my shoes. I was just like, why do I have these things? They don't, I, either they don't fit. I've worn them completely out and I just really, really like them or I never wore them. They have a tag still on them. I gave, I gave all but like three pairs of shoes away. Either that or trashed them, gone. Cause I, I was yeah, just like, I, I either me. need to start over again or I, I just need to get rid of them. They're not, I'm not wearing them. So I get it. Like, even if you look at me, like whenever we have spoken or whenever I'm in front of a camera, I'm wearing the exact same thing. I put on a pair, uh, a black turtleneck, some pearls, pearl earrings. And the only thing that really changes is my glasses. Now that's (laughs) not because I'm trying to have a signature style. That's because my time is important to me. Mm -hmm. So today I was like, well, you know, this is Twan Romero. I can just throw on something and, you know, talk. And I just came from the skate park, but I knew one, even with that, I was like, well, let me fix this top. Let me turn this this way. Does this present myself the way I want to be presented? But I could take that one article of clothing, boom, 
put on my turtleneck, mm -hmm. put on some red lipstick, put on a pair of glasses. And I know that I'm presenting myself to you all just as I want to present myself. Mm -hmm. And I've done it with very little effort. I didn't have to sort through, right. try right. on six outfits. Right. So when, especially in this period of COVID, you know, I'm in front of a camera all of the time. So regardless of whether I'm teaching at the university, I'm training teachers, podcasts with girlfriends, mm -hmm. I look the exact same way. Now, do I have other things in the closet? Yeah. Do they represent the way I want to present myself professionally? Maybe not. And when we think about that whole parsing out what we have in our spaces, like it may come back in style. It, it may absolutely come back in style, but are you the person who would wear that? Are you the person that you were 20 years ago? The right. person that you were 20 years ago, that outfit represented who she was, her value, mm -hmm. what she wanted to present to the world. 20 years later, your values may be different. What you want to present to the world might be different as well. I am so much more motivated at this moment to get rid of the stuff in my closet. Like before, I was like, eh, I don't, uh, but now it's like, I want to feel that. About uh, that um, wonderful light feeling of being able to throw away those shoes mm -hmm. that I've been wearing. I have worn them down. I don't even wear them anymore, but they're still taking up space mm -hmm. in my closet. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I think I, I can I can see that. I wasn't quite as motivated. I was proud of Ramel, but I wasn't motivated until we actually had this conversation. I, I can say, since I can't talk about my closet yet, um, I can say I remember... Um, sitting in committee meetings that I volunteered for, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then I, I, it might have served me for a period of my life mm -hmm. where I was contributing to it and whatever, uh, I was getting something from it as well. It, it was something that felt good. But then I stayed too long and it wasn't given to me anymore. And I don't think I was giving to it very well at that point. And I was like, you know what? I need to just stop. It was part of my identity. And I was just like, I need to stop this. It's not good for me. I'm not doing a great job. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm mad. And <laughs> Every you, time I, I was going to say, go. were you like dreading the whole idea of like, mm -hmm. oh, it's Tuesday night again. Yes. And that means yes. I've got to go to this meeting again and sit down with the same people. Yeah, um, you know what? Again. You're saying that like, you know, from personal <laughs> experience. Oh I don't know. You gosh. were too good at that. And you know what? The feeling that you feel when that first Tuesday comes around, I'm not saying that I had no, you know, that sure experience. You didn't. Sure you didn't. But, uh, <laughs> but that first Tuesday comes around and you're, you're sitting down doing whatever the heck other things you wanted to do or spending more time with your kids or making dinner, whatever it is, fill in the blank. It, you feel like amazing, right? Like, yes. it's like, why was I giving these people two to three hours of my night, oh my right? Because this is pre-COVID where you're having to drive. Yeah, remember that then? When you had yeah, you have to look presentable. <laughs> like wear pants. With these people. Then you have, to have conversations with people <laughs> that you really were like, oh, stop. And then you go home, right? And you're beat because you're mm -hmm. emotionally having to put yourself out there with people that you don't even connect with anymore at that level. And you're expending all this this energy, like Elle said, you know, like she's had to expend all this energy all week for her projects. And you can't get that back. You can go to sleep, but you can't get that back. And, um, and so getting rid of those organizations that don't fuel you anymore, 
it's a wrap. Tie that stuff off and send it on up to somebody else, you know? Boom. You know, one of the things that I written this week was talking about, you know, what, what, what freedom was for me. Mm-hmm. And freedom was a life that was void of need of approval and validations mm-hmm. from entities outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was married, because I, I talk a lot about being married because I feel like I have two different um, experiences of womanhood. Mm-hmm. And because when I, when I got married, I was still a girl in a lot of ways. I was in my 20s. But womanhood, I separated in married time and non-married time. And so in my married time, because I was a stay-at-home mom, I didn't really realize it at the time because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom that I sought validation outside of myself a lot, you know, whether it be through my husband, also felt the need to be involved in several organizations. So outside of my sorority, I also had other, you know, mom organizations Mm -hmm. and civic organizations or black women organizations that I felt a need to be a part of. I I felt the need to write the application, to put my resume down on paper. So these people would say, yes, you check all of the boxes, you deserve entry into our illustrious organizations because you have done all the things that people should do, even though you may not be gainfully employed right now. So, but what I didn't realize at the time that each of those organizations in their own right were jobs. So I had like four full-time jobs around here. When I, when I divorced or when I went through my separation, because I didn't want all of those organizations to have such an up close and personal view of a transitional and pivotal moment in my life, Mm -hmm. I took leave of absence and all but my sorority, I didn't go back because what Mm -hmm. I realized was that, you know, I had all of this time that was available and it doesn't necessarily have to, when you have time, it doesn't have to be to do something. Sometimes it could be just sitting on my couch, looking at the wall. I didn't Mm -hmm. have time to do. And once I removed myself from that world, a world that I had created where I no longer had to um, answer to people. I no longer had to even, even, Sometimes when we say judgment, judgment isn't always necessarily meant to be malicious, but the judgment of others, you know, meeting their criteria, mm-hmm. once I removed that and success and fulfillment then became defined by measures that only involved me. I didn't even know I was a bohemian spirit until I got this time where I was like, oh, I'm a nonconformist. How about that? So it was one of those things that I didn't even know because I was subscribing to all of these organizations and all these organizations had a forward face. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I fit that forward Forward face face. Mm -hmm. so that I could be accepted into those various organizations. So all that to say is that when you give yourselves to those various organizations and, and I, and they served a purpose in my life during that time. And I'm grateful for right. some of the relationships that I made in those places. But once you, you pretty much define who you are as a woman, mm-hmm. some of those things aren't necessary because one of the things about being a young woman, um, you might know, I don't want to say know yourself because I don't want to marginalize young women, but you might know exactly what floats your boat. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at all these external things that really says like you have made it. And mm-hmm. then you align yourself with these things and say, I see, I 
I've made it. I've, mm-hmm. I've done what professionally educated African-American people are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then once you realize, wait a minute, I am a professionally educated African-American and I don't necessarily need to be a part of an organization mm-hmm. to validate that. Mm-hmm. Now you have an option, whereas before you really didn't. The option was whether they wanted you or not. Now mm-hmm. your option is whether you want to give your time or not. And that's right. a wonderful place. Yeah. I found that came with time yeah. and oh, age. Because yeah. the I older I got, the more I felt like I know what I want. I'm not proving anything to anybody. And I am mm-hmm. tired of doing stuff I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I refused to do it. And I started, you know, cutting those things out. You've been cutting like crazy. Yeah, I did cut some crazy Good stuff. for you. That's a good thing. And that's another thing, too. It's like when it comes to, like, cutting people off, cutting things off, you know, we have been conditioned to think that we're obligated to people. So it ends up having a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of saying cut it off, just say I, I made space for other things in my life. I, I, you know, like I had other that. interests and mm-hmm. I made space. I made space for the things I like to wear as a 44 year old woman. That's why yeah. the mini skirt is not there anymore. Well, I'm not going to say because my thighs are so thick. I'm saying I made space. <laughs> I made space for that long black skirt that I so adore now. Mm-hmm. I made space for other things. Okay, let me think about that. I made space. I, but you know what? I'm a little bit older than you, and I I feel like it it's okay, or I'm comfortable with saying, I'm, I was tired of doing that. I was tired of being that. I was tired of sitting through that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what's best for me, and I don't even care what anybody else thinks about right. it. Yeah. And there was a freedom in that, right. being able to say, I totally understand that. I've done enough. I've done, I'm not proving anything to anybody else, and I don't mind not what anybody else has to say about it. Mm-hmm. That was freedom, and it, uh, I, I, I learned a value, and that only came for me with age. So, uh, the when younger mm-hmm. people get it, if you can mm-hmm. get that at thirty something, oh, oh my god, my gosh, I'd be the dangerous. Power behind that, I know, Whoa. I'd be dangerous if I could have my twenty-seven-year-old body and my forty-four-year-old brain. Look out, man! Look. What? Look, let me tell you be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's why God don't let that happen. Yes. <laughs> you know, he, and he he knew exactly what I would have been something. I, else. I would have been dangerous. I know it. Give I know me a it. Twenty-eight inch waistline, a twenty-seven inch waistline, and a forty-four year old brain. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Take all that knowledge and stuff it in that hot body. <laughs> wow. That's why we can't Look. have it all. It, it, you can't have it all. I know. <laughs> And I know I've gone through that transition too. The older I've gotten, the more I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, if I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. And I I have just literally gotten to that point where I just say, hey, I'm not, I'm not interested. That's, that was one of the hardest things for me to say. I didn't want to disappoint people and I didn't want them to be like, oh, she's so mean. And, um, but I had to learn that I was a priority mm-hmm. in my own life and my own life story, mm-hmm. right? And I just got to the point where I was just like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And sometimes I actually get a look because I'll just say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I, I want you to enjoy yourself, but that's not something. I and the thing about it is it's so freeing because they know they can't come back to with that, you know what I mean? When you make it that definitive, when you, instead of saying, 
you know, I'll think about it or I'm not sure if it's something I'm ready for right now. People will come back to you with that same thing, that same proposal, that same thing. And they, um, but when you make it very clear, no, I don't want to do that. They can't argue with that. Can't argue with it. Each year I have a theme. So this year my theme is to love black women without apology. And last year, my theme was no is a complete sentence. Mm, I I like that thing. No. Mm -hmm. And so my hashtag, like how my hashtag this year is like, sis, I'm not going to let you fail. My hashtag last year was leave me alone. It was like (laughs) everybody, it was like leave me alone. It was no is a complete sentence. And so I would, the same way I give quotes now and about like, you know, getting what you want to get done, that you have the power to do it. Last year, it was just, all these different ways to say no because it really was it was like a no without a qualifier mm-hmm. a no without right. an explanation and it takes practice to do that mm-hmm. you're like no i don't have to tell you no because i don't want to do it i don't have to tell you no because i have something else planned right. no because i'm not i just no 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 mm-hmm. sentence it's not rude it's because mm-hmm. you don't owe anybody anything they're asking you because well. you have an option and you've just taken the option to not participate no mm-hmm. yeah. no speak it now What'd you say? Oh, I'm in the background. I'm doing the um, pot, the, the 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 Amen corner the back amen. here. So you talking? I'm like preach, preach. <laughs> it really is, especially as women. We feel like even like to make people feel like you're so busy. Like oh well, unfortunately I can't because yada yada. Mm-hmm. No, no. I just want to sit in my house in a movie with no bra on. That's I'm right. No. That's unapologetically. Why my no is mm-hmm. no. No, it's my, you want something from me and it's my decision to decide whether I'm going to, because once I give it to you, I no longer have it, whether it's my time, my money, or my energy. Once I give it to you, it's gone. Mm, I like that. I do too. I, I wonder, like, how do we, how do we encourage our girls to do these things? Because I had like an encounter with my, my middle um, this week and she was just so very concerned because I had, um, I helped her. She's a freshman in college. So I helped her write a letter to one of the administrators. And she said to me, um, oh, now I need to go back and meet with this lady. And you made me write this really mean letter. And I was like, really mean? And so, you know, but she was so concerned about the tone of the letter we weren't telling anybody off or anything. We were just mm-hmm. stating what we needed. But she mm-hmm. cons- she construed that as being mean. And she's younger. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. But I w- I want to try to be able to relate to them so they don't wait until they're forty and wishing they had their twenty seven year old body, you know, <laughs> to feel empowered enough to be able to say this is how I feel, and that's mm-hmm. enough. Be the example. That's true. I think that's what it is. Um, When when I would have to help my Mm -hmm. kids talk professionally to teachers or um, administrators at school or or bosses, managers that they've had, Mm -hmm. they can hear my my point of view. They might not always go with what I uh, recommend. Mm -hmm. I've noticed they do have pushback because their perspective is very different from mine. I'm like, hope this is this college institution. We paying money, then I'm gonna get answers. Mm-hmm. They owe that. I mean, I have a whole different stance because of where I am in life compared to where mm-hmm. my yeah. children are. Mm-hmm. But they can hear it. Like it might, they might not do it immediately, 
but they've seen me in action now mm-hmm. and how I form. They don't quite understand it all yet, but mm-hmm. I've been able to see my daughter pick that. I was going to say, go, I know yeah, she has. Yeah, she, so she's mm-hmm. 22. She'll be, yeah, she's 21. I can see her picking up on that already. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if I continue that, everybody has different personality, but I continue that and talking to my other children who are still here in the house and letting them hear my point of view and why, hoping that I can influence them so that they can feel like no is an option and I don't have to tell you why. And just kind of helping them understand their worth. But it is a process and I feel like I have to model. That's true. Well, I parent... um very explicitly because my son is on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So um, some things he mightn't pick up contextually as easily. So I have to be very explicit in my instructions to him to help him navigate life. So what I have chosen to do is I have taught him that my goal for him is not to be compliant, but to be logical. So mm-hmm. when he's having a conversation, even with me, mm-hmm. you know, he's, presenting his stance and if I can follow his logic then I can agree with him now if his logic is 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 solid but it may conflict with a personal value of mine or my time then it still may be a no but at least he has stated logically mm-hmm. why he wants to do it why it would be to his benefit or why he feels this needs to be done again with him being on the autism spectrum he does not, he's not really in those shades of gray of what people might think of me. It really is how best do I execute. And it has allowed me to, um, to teach him from the purest place. So a lot of times we are teaching our children to be compliant. Um, you're respectful for this reason or this reason. And it's not necessarily respect that we're teaching. We're actually teaching them compliance. Because someone is older, comply to them. Mm. And when we embrace our children's thought process and say, okay, well, help me understand why it is that you want to do this or why you feel this needs to be done. And if they can intelligently communicate why something needs to be done or why they feel this is not in their best interest, logic should always be king, not necessarily Mm -hmm. title or age, but logic. Mm -hmm. And if your daughter logically stated her point, then it should be heard. Right. Right. And I think that just um, like, like Tawanda said too, it, it also comes with some time and some living. And I like the idea that, um, that you've worked with your son about just being very like, if I'm logical about it, then people can deal with me on, on a, on an even basis, right? No matter where you are in age, they can deal with you on that same level. And I think that's fantastic. And then he won't have to, um, he won't have to cut loose of so many things because he won't right. engage in things that he, that doesn't serve him in the first place. Because right? Another thing that logic does, it allows you to be objective because mm-hmm. if you're trying to be compliant and you want people to like you, mm-hmm. you're, you're being subjective in your conversation because it's between you and them. Whereas if it's a logical argument, then mm-hmm. you're saying, well, as a student, I believe students should X, Y, and Z. I believe the administration should provide X, Y, and Z for students because X, Y, and Z. And it's not about me and you. It's about these positions, the position of a student. Mm -hmm. And what is the expectation for the administration for a student? What's the uh, expectation for for a student, for an administrator? And I even do that with 
any type of business deal. And I'm like, what's my expectation as a consumer right. to, you know, someone who's offering me a service? What's your expectation of me as a client and me as a vendor? So I'm not, I don't really use like me and you, even when I'm giving, talking about a student, let's say in the university, I'll say the student, yada, yada, yada. That the as the professor, I then yada yada yada. You know, you operate in roles, and then you take it away from. I don't like her. Or I feel disrespected. It's mm-hmm. yeah. You it's mm-hmm. and it's easy for me to do that because I parent a child on the autism spectrum. So emotions is a whole nother complex topic when you're sure. dealing with children on the spectrum. So mm-hmm. it is easier to operate in logic with him. But I found that you know when even when I'm guiding parents in coaching sessions that you know I said well what's the logic behind your expectation for your child to do X, Y, and Z? And it generally still, from some most, well, my parents did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, how did you feel about that when your parents did X, Y, and Z? But we attach so much value to these emotions. Whereas, is, is that logical? Is that a logical expectation of an eight-year-old? Well, that brings us right back to where we were. I mean, like, if you remove the emotion of getting, of clipping your hair, of taking all the stuff out of your closet, of getting rid of uh, an organization that doesn't serve you anymore. It's a lot easier. It's like, check, check, check. Yeah, well, all these line up. And therefore, I should do, I should get rid of these things. I should, what, what did you say? What did you say before? How did you say? Um, make, make space. Make space for uh-huh. something else. Yes, right. yes, absolutely. That's so, the, that's the thought I'm going to leave with is that we are making space Mm-hmm. or other things for bigger, better, well, greater, right. greater things. That's right. Well, well I, I love the way you touched on the emotions. One, like mm-hmm. when I, even when I talked about as being a black girl, because so, even I'm a black woman, there's a black girl inside of me. Right. And cutting that hair, there's value tied to length. We've been yeah. told X, Y, and Z. We didn't even talk about that. I didn't even touch it, but I knew there's yeah. value. That's so a whole nother it, it episode was, right a, there. It's a whole nother level mm-hmm. to it. So I had to get past all that. And that was emotion. That's not logic. Because logic would tell me, girl, you don't get are bad. But that right. emotion is like, I got hair hanging. You know, so right. it's, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of emotions that's tied to the decisions that we make, the things that we hold on to, mm-hmm. the that's fear true. of letting go of some of those things. That's right. It's, it's not logic. Emotion. It's emotion. It's not. We check those boxes and we move on and that'll be great. Well, Al, I can't, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy having you sitting down with us. I can't even tell you how much it's like, it is, it's like a big girlfriend bear yeah, hug. It's like, talking, oh, it feels so good. Her. I'm so glad we I just know. got a chance to hang out again. Yes. So thank you so much. Al. And um, we're going to make sure we put all your information again in the show notes because um, she's fabulous, and she if really you is. have, oh, yeah, you. yes, and um, and her, <laughs> she's yeah, she's snapping. Yes. and so um, but if you want to take a listen, please listen to her podcast. Um, is Straight Talk with Dr. L. She is fantastic, and um, you'll love her as much as we do. So, um, listeners, thank you so much for coming by and um, listening with us today. We enjoy having you. Always. Always. All right. So until next time, peace Peace and and blessings. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Podcast. That's girl with three R's. 
And if you want to participate in our segment, Ask Your Girlfriends, email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com. That's girl with three R's. (laughs) So until next time, peace Peace and and blessings. blessings.